Well, last week and today, as has already been mentioned a couple of times, we're highlighting the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, It's an international ministry uh, that was started uh, out of Saddleback Church in Southern California, pastored by uh, Rick Warren. And as we've mentioned, we have been privileged for a little over a year now to offer a a local chapter of Celebrate uh, Recovery here at the church under the leadership of Phil and Sylvia uh, Roush. And I want to ask Phil and Sylvia to stand real quick and uh, ask you to give them a hand. And I also want to acknowledge at the outset here that Peg Kamire was also instrumental in the starting of, let, let me finish, <laughs> in the uh, starting of our local Celebrate Recovery ministry. And uh, while she's serving in other ministries now, we remain very grateful uh, for her instrumental role in Celebrate Recovery. So Peg, would you stand and uh, let's give her a hand. I want to start out by just uh, kind of quickly highlighting some things that we covered last week for the benefit of those of you who weren't here and just as a kind of quick reminder for those of us who were. I started out last week reminding all of us that the church, if it is going to put the name Christian on it, if it's going to live up to the name Christian, then it has to be a place that welcomes the sick and the broken, people who are far from God. To, to use a word that's fallen out of favor, but is still a, a relevant and applicable word, sinners who are far uh, from God. Jesus said in Matthew 9 that he didn't come for righteous people. He came for people that are sick. He came for those who are in need of a physician. I also reminded us that while the church is to be a place of welcome for the sick and the broken, that God doesn't want us to remain sick and broken. God wants to heal us. And if a church is going to live up to that name Christian, it has to be a place that's concerned about partnering with God to see people enabled and empowered toward healing, to getting fixed from their brokenness, to recovering from the damage that the sins we've committed and the sins that have been committed against us have brought into our lives. And then from there, I commended the ministry of Celebrate Recovery as one of the most effective ministries that I know of anywhere uh, for helping people to uh, find the healing and freedom that Christ came to bring. And then we covered the first principle of Celebrate Recovery, the first step on the road to recovery, and that is to realize that we're not God, to admit that we're powerless to control our tendencies to do wrong things, And to admit when we need to that our lives are unmanageable on our own. We consider the reason that our lives have gotten to this place is because we've been trying to play God instead of allowing God to be God. And since we're not up to being God because we're not God, playing God leads us to some seriously negative consequences. Things like fear and frustration fatigue, and failure. And so playing God, which is sin, is our problem. Fear, fatigue, frustration, and failure are the consequences of sin. And then the cure for all of this is turning our lives over to Christ. 
And the first thing that we must do to receive the enabling and empowering that comes from God is to realize we're not God. Admit that we can't control our tendency to do wrong. Admit our lives are unmanageable. Basically, admit that we need God and turn to him. And then we wrapped up last week by noting that there is an obstacle in the path of anyone who decides that they want to pursue healing. They want to walk the road of recovery. And that obstacle is pride. Our pride is a huge obstacle that keeps us from finding the healing that God has made available to us. And so we learned in James 4, 6, something that is very sobering. And that is that God opposes people who are proud. Did you know the Bible said that? God opposes the proud. He, he resists them. He, he stands in opposition to them. Which, of course, cuts us off from the power that we need to get healed, to get fixed, to recover. But the same verse in James that gives us this sobering news that God opposes the proud also gives us very hopeful news. And that is that while God opposes the proud, he gives grace to people who are humble. And that grace that he gives includes the power to change. So God gives grace to change to those who admit that they need him. So what we want to do today is launch off of that foundation that we established last week and look at the remaining seven core principles of Celebrate Recovery and the scriptures upon which each principle is based. And then when I uh, have uh, completed those seven core principles, we're going to have testimonies from a few folks who are part of the Celebrate Recovery ministry, have, uh, have benefited from it, and have seen healing in their lives through the Celebrate Recovery ministry and the power uh, of God. So these principles are uh, represented with the acronym RECOVERY. We're going to look at each letter in the word recovery and the principle that corresponds uh, with it. By the way, there's an outline in your bulletin, uh, which has some fill-in-the-blank places today. It also has all of the scripture references that I will uh, mention throughout the message. We're not going to be showing the scriptures on the screen today. So if you want to go ahead and turn to any of those, you can. If you need a Bible, uh, they are available on either side of the sound booth. So again, the first principle of Celebrate Recovery. The first step on the road to recovery are realize I'm not God. Admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do wrong things and that my life is unmanageable. This principle is based on Proverbs 14, 12, which states there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Leads to death. How many times, and I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many times have we chosen a path for ourselves that we thought would lead to something good, something beneficial, something that would provide something that we felt like we needed? How many times have people thought that an affair would improve their self-esteem, that alcohol would lessen their pain, that buying really nice things would make them feel more accomplished and more successful? only to find out after they had walked down those paths that 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 path uh, that they chose to try to meet the needs in their lives for love and acceptance and value actually led them to a place of greater deficit in those areas. 
I think probably all of us could say in some area of life, we have pursued a path that we thought would somehow benefit us. And we just end, uh, ended up with a greater uh, deficit. We, we try to figure out our own path to recovery from the damage in our lives. We try to play God, but we end up worse off than before. And so this first step is so vitally important, realizing we're not God, that we are powerless to control our tendency to make wrong choices and do wrong things, and that left to ourselves, our lives quickly become unmanageable. So again, the first principle of recovery, of celebrate recovery. Here's the second principle of celebrate recovery, the E. We must earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. So if you want to follow along on your outline, and I'd recommend you write these down, unless you have a fantastic memory, I'd write them down earnestly as the next fill in the blank. In the first service, people were feverishly writing. In this service, you're all just kind of looking at me. So take out your pen, write things down. So, so the second principle is based on Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, it's hard to turn to someone for help if you're not sure that person is real or not. It's hard to admit that you need to relinquish control of your life uh, to God if your approach to God is agnostic. You're not really sure if he's there or isn't there. You're not really sure if he is there whether he cares for you or not. You're not really sure if he is there whether he has any power to help you or not. And so I like that Celebrate Recovery places this emphasis on earnestly believing because really that's what believing is. If it's not earnest belief, we can call it belief, but it's not really belief and not, at least not the kind of belief the Bible has in mind. And so if we want freedom from our hurts, bad habits, and hangups, we must earnestly believe that God exists, that we matter to him, and that he has the power to heal us. And so if your faith in God is not of the earnest variety, perhaps you're in a place right now in your life where you're kind of, you know, fighting to hold on to a belief in God. If that's the case for you, here's what you should do. It's very simple. You should ask God to strengthen your faith in him. In Mark 9, when Jesus healed a little boy that was tormented of an evil spirit, He was inquiring about the boy's condition and the father of the boy with the condition appealed to Jesus in this way. He said, if you can do anything about this, please take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replied, if you can, if, you're saying to me, if, if you can. And then he said, everything is possible for him who believes. And the father's response to Jesus is a a great thing for us to keep in mind if we are folks who are struggling to hold on to our belief in God. The father appealed to Jesus this way, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but, but it's a battle for me right now. Help me overcome my unbelief. He's acknowledging he believes, but he's having trouble with it. His faith needs strengthened. 
And so if you need the power of God to break into your broken life and bring recovery, but you are like that father, you believe, but it's a weak faith. It's not an earnest faith. Then you just need to ask God to help you with your unbelief, to strengthen your faith, to build your confidence in him so that you can earnestly believe he exists. Earnestly believe that you matter to him. Earnestly believe that he has the power to help you. The third principle of celebrate recovery, the C. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ, care, and control. It's based on Matthew eleven twenty eight and through 30. And it says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an amazing invitation. The God of the universe invites us to come to him. And he says that though we are burdened, though we are weary, he will give us rest. He tells us that he is, he's gentle toward us. He, he cares for us like the best mother gently cares for a newborn infant. But to benefit from the invitation that God extends to us, we do have to do something. We have to willingly submit to the yoke that he wants to place upon us. And we have to learn from him. A yoke, if you're not familiar with it, is a controlling mechanism that was placed upon oxen to allow the owner of the oxen oxen to maximize their potential for usefulness. And so Jesus is saying that if we'll allow him to take control of our lives, to place his control on us, if we'll yield to his guidance and care, He'll give us the rest that we need. He'll provide all that we need. We have to take his yoke and learn from him. But here's the thing. His yoke is easy. His control of our lives is an easy thing to wear because we were designed to wear it. We were created to wear God's control of our lives. It allows our potential to be realized without wearing us out. It's all the sin that we pursue. It's all the wrong thoughts and attitudes that we pursue that wear us out. God's control of our lives, God's care and guidance gives us rest. The fourth principle of Celebrate Recovery, the O, is this. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. This principle is based on Psalm 32, 1 through 5. This is a a fantastic section of Scripture. Not that there aren't any uh, sections that aren't fantastic, but it is an especially fantastic section. Listen to what it says. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What a powerful passage. By refusing to confess, the psalmist brought trouble and heartache on himself. But when he stopped trying to cover things up, when he stopped trying to conceal the truth about himself, but acknowledged his sin to God, confessed his transgressions to God, then God forgave him. There is great freedom that comes from confession, and there is great damage that comes from hiding. And then James 5.16 is another good verse to support this principle. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here's the fifth principle of celebrate recovery, the V. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. This principle is based on Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A great definition of being a Christian, in my view, is that a Christian is one who continually says yes to God. He offers us salvation in Christ. Says, will you receive this gift? And we say yes. He lets us know that when we receive the gift of salvation, there's something that comes along with it. Jesus Christ becomes Lord of our lives. So there's an inherent question. Will you receive Jesus as not only your Savior, but your Lord? And a Christian says, yes. The Holy Spirit convicts us of something we're doing wrong, calls us to stop doing it. The Christian says, yes, I'll stop. The Holy Spirit draws our attention to something he wants us to do that we're not currently doing. He says we need to start doing it A Christian says, yes, I will start doing that. If we want to recover from our hurts, bad habits, and hangups, we must voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make in our lives. We must continually say yes to the directions that God gives us. How are you doing with this? Are you saying yes to God? Saying yes to God continually is a key to healing. It is a key to recovery. Saying no to God continually is an absolute guarantee of staying broken, of staying sick. The sixth principle of celebrate recovery, the second E. I must evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. This principle is based on Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I think your outline might say 21 through 32. That's just a typo. It's 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The sixth principle has two parts, forgiving those who have hurt you and then making amends with those that you have hurt. And I appreciate that it has this guideline in place. We are to do this except when to do so would harm those you've hurt or harm others. Well, what, what wisdom? I'm just so impressed with the wisdom of Celebrate Recovery. You know, so often we feel like something would be good for us to do and we don't factor in what does that mean for everybody around me. And so it's great wisdom here to say, make amends when you can, but be mindful. You don't want to make, you don't want to do additional damage to those you've hurt or to other people in trying to, to make amends. So make sure you do no more damage. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing and it just speaks to the wisdom uh, that is in Celebrate Recovery. And Ephesians lets us know that we are to forgive others for a very specific reason. Because we have been forgiven by God. So what we have freely received, we are to freely give. And this is a key step on the road to healing, on the road to recovery from your hurts, habits, and hangups. Here's the seventh principle. The second R. Reserve a daily quiet time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to do it. This principle is based on Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I feel like we talk about this around here, the importance of this around here uh, quite a bit. The daily disciplines of prayer and Bible reading are indispensable to walking in the freedom that Christ has come to provide for us. The psalmist said that he had hidden God's word in his heart so that he would not sin against God. Reading God's word, knowing God's word, having it deep in our hearts is so important if we are going to live free from sin and recover from the damage the sins we've committed and that have been committed against us have done in our lives. And here's the eighth of the eight principles of Celebrate Recovery, the why. Yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others by both my example and my words. This principle is based on 1 Peter 3.15. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. When we have experienced Christ the salvation and the healing and the freedom that he brings. We are then to become his ambassadors, those who share his goodness with others so that they too can be saved and they too can experience the healing that God offers everyone who comes to him broken. And so these are the eight principles of Celebrate Recovery. I would encourage you to take these and to reflect on them. I would encourage you to even consider committing these to memory. And I would encourage many of you here to prayerfully consider if God is asking you to take the step of beginning to attend the Celebrate Recovery meetings. They meet here every Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. 
And, and I believe, not because I know your situation specifically, but just because anytime you have a group of people together, I know that there are numbers of you in here today who God is probably right now encouraging you. The Spirit is, is working in your heart to say, you need to go and do this. This is for you. And I would encourage you to take that step. And I would say for all of us, even if for whatever reason we don't feel like we need to go and be part of the classes, I would encourage all of us to recognize what valuable principles these are and how applicable they are to all of our lives. And so we all should, should take these and apply them in our lives. At this time, we're going to have a few people uh, who are a part of Celebrate Recovery, um, participate in the meetings, and who have benefited from the ministry, come and share a little bit about their stories with you, uh, how the ministry has helped them, and how, of course, uh, God through the ministry has helped them. And so the first uh, folks that I want to invite up to share with you today are uh, Jay and Sharon Grimes. So why don't you give them a hand uh, as they come. My name is Sharon, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am in recovery for physical and sexual abuse. I would like to share with you that I was physically abused by my father from approximately the age of two until I reached the age of 10. My parents had divorced at that time and sexually abused by three men other than my father during the same time. Over the years, I did have counseling for the trauma of the abuse. The counseling helped, and in my own mind, I had convinced myself that I had recovered from the abuse. This is called denial, and of course, playing God. My husband, Jay, was involved in Celebrate Recovery for about one or two weeks and suggested that I might want to attend a meeting. Of course, I thought to myself, I don't need that program. I don't have any issues. Wrong. When I attended that first meeting, I quickly realized that I did need the program and that there were many issues that I needed to face with God's help and the help of the program. I would begin to grow to a much healthier and recovering child of God. The road to recovery is a step-by-step, day-by-day process The first step is the hardest, to admit we are powerless and need help. We cannot fix our hurts, habits, and hang-ups by ourselves. I can say today, after a year in the program, I am a much healthier individual and have learned the steps of the program, and I am continuing to grow each and every day. God be the glory. I'm Jay, grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm working on recovering from eating habits that have produced obesity and consequences that often follow such a lifestyle. I've learned that nearly all of us have experienced hurts, which may have led to the development of habits and hang-ups that define our lives. 
I've learned that many people carry hurtful father wounds, mother wounds, or some other experience that leads to the formation of habits or hang-ups that define them. During this past year, I have developed the CR habit. I think we missed one Tuesday evening meeting in that year. I've heard many helpful teachings and heard as many meaningful testimonies. Many of the stories shared about, uh, many of those stories shared about a very painful father wound that led to damaging responses. I found myself constantly reflecting that my experience was that of a father blessing. I was my dad's constant companion and helper on the farm. He taught me to do things and then complimented me when I took responsibility. I remember at about the age of five, he introduced me to one of his friends as his right-hand man. It was during my step study experience that I began to uncover deeper experiences in my life that led to my isolating tendencies, that led to compulsive eating, and constant working patterns. Fifty years ago, I realized I weighed more than was healthy. I read about an instant cure diet that would solve my weight problem. That started my professional involvement with the yo-yo circus. The weight always came back after the diet was finished, and 20 years ago, diabetes became my companion. Sharon would be disappointed if I didn't point out that she's the real reason for my battle with weight. (laughs) She is amazing in the kitchen, and I'm a clean plate person by by habit. She's working with me to plan her kitchen projects and to help me select a healthy plate load and only one plate load for each meal. The result of our better understanding of what we should be eating is that I have released some weight in the last year, and I've been able to reduce or eliminate several medications that were compensating for my undisciplined food choices and quantities. Another benefit of our participation in CR is that our personal and couple devotional commitment has grown. I like her even more than I did a year ago. Thanks, brother. My name is Kevin. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am in recovery for childhood sexual abuse and sexual addiction. My vineyard family... Some of you know me for a long time, and so you know some of my story. Uh, Some of you just for a few years, but those of you that don't, you just see me up here on Sunday morning with my Sunday face on, thinking I got my stuff all together. What you might not know about me is there was a previous life. I call it my BS life. That would be before salvation. I had been known to break a commandment or two. As a child, I was sexually abused by our family's pedophile. 
Then as I am right smack dab in the middle of puberty, my dad decides to die after his third heart attack. Between the pedophile and the early loss of my father, that led me into sexual addiction. I was stuck in puberty. That tug at your heartstrings that make you feel sorry for me? Man, I was counting on that for the first 23 years of my life, 30 years of my life. I was counting on listening to the world tell me how woe is me and, and how sorry they felt for me. It's not your fault. You're just saying, no, it's, not, it's okay. It's not your fault. All right? Well, <clears throat> the 33rd year of my life, I was forced to stop listening to the world's excuses and start taking responsibility for my own actions and my own decisions. They weren't somebody else's. They weren't caused by anybody else. I made those decisions, and they were wrong. I got some Christian counseling from a wonderful Christian lady and started on my path to recovery. Well, I went to the Lord, and I repented. Asked him for forgiveness. You know what he did? He forgave me. He washed me as white as snow that day. And I have been a perfect angel ever since. (laughs) I wish. So I got the counseling. I thought I had this sexual addiction thing under control. And I was doing okay with it. So when the Holy Spirit leading said, you need to be voluntold to go play music for CR, I thought that was cool. I'll go do that. I'll play music. I don't need to program. I got my stuff together for this. It's all good. Man, was I wrong. As I started attending the meetings, I found out there was a whole lot of things that I didn't take care of 23 years ago. Uh, People I needed to forgive. People I needed to tell them I'm sorry. Um, There was a lot of things to work on yet. And through Celebrate Recovery, um, it has been unbelievably freeing. I still have a lot of things to work on. I still have other hurts, habits, and hang-ups that I still need to get working on too. But I will tell you this. If you have any problems, any hurts, habits, and you will, hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life, please know that you have a wonderful group of brothers and sisters here who will accept you, not judge you, and love you, and continuously remind you of the one who loves you even more than we do. So stop your denial. Come on out. Take that first step. Join us on Tuesday nights. Amen. Amen. This is a lively bunch. Good morning. My name is Jacob. I'm a grateful believer in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Covering from the use of drugs and alcohol, and the life, lies of lies and deception that come along with it. For committing myself to Christ, I was lost, very lost. Using pills in the morning to, just to function was a norm. Self-medicating with booze and/or pills to overcome all obstacles throughout my day, to the point. I no longer knew who I was, frequently asking myself, who is going to help me? Drugs and alcohol were driving me farther and farther away from reality, but it was the pride that was keeping me there. 
After getting baptized here on this very stage a little over a year ago, I was still struggling with addiction. Not to the point I was, but still could not give it all to the Lord. Why? Pride was still in the way. I would rationalize using with excuses like, I'm getting work done. I'm tired. I need to push myself harder. I was equating using with making money and finding stability, quote, on a teetering rock on the top of a cliff. Finally facing the harsh reality of losing my family and everything I hold dear, I attended a CR meeting in February. I'll be honest, it was, it was tough. These were the members of the congregation I see every Sunday where I put on my everything is perfect mask and stroll through the service like everything is fine. First time I went, I actually stayed for the music and the lesson and hightailed it out of there. And truth be told, if it wasn't for Paul blocking the door, I probably would have left sooner. A few weeks later, I came back after attending an NA meeting at another church, and that is when the real healing began. In the first weeks, I found myself touching on topics or underlying roots of problems that I had never really spoken of. Childhood, sudden passing of my father just as I graduated college, and in general, living a life centered around Christ versus the do-it-yourself mentality were just a few topics that I needed to open up about. CR has helped me in so many ways. First and foremost, there's the snacks. The snacks is my dinner every Tuesday. <laughs> but really, it's helped me remove the layers of pride that uh, had built up a hardened shell, which were not allowing me to receive God's message and callings or really just be honest. Um, Secondly, I now have a group of friends that uh, hold me accountable and are there in in all my struggles and are there to support me. A great group of friends that uh, love seeing every Tuesday and other days as well. To me, CR is more about taking the steps and realizing that we are all humans born into sin. And no matter what our hang-up is in your life, we all must insert Jesus and let him take the wheel. Attending CR will help you open up and share on your own time frame. Sharing or even sometimes just listening can give you a different perspective on where you are and where you want to be, not only in life, but as a follower in Christ as well. I ask myself, is this, have I, have I entirely ready to have God remove all my character defects and shortcomings? If the answer is yes, then got to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James 4.10 we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. These are steps 6 and 7 that I've taken the liberty of condensing somewhat. 
But to get to that point, you must first start at step one, admitting you are powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, and our lives have become unmanageable. I know nothing. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature, for I have desired the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans seven, eighteen. So I ask you, if you are struggling in any way, please come and join us on Tuesday nights at six thirty. We have great fellowship time, a little worship time, lesson testimony. Don't forget the snacks. The snacks. I hope to see you there. So God bless and everybody have a great day. My name is Stephanie. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I'm in recovery from childhood sexual abuse and I struggle with codependency and food issues. One morning in the summer of 1968 was the happiest day of my life. That's because for the first 10 years of my life, I was a prisoner of childhood sexual abuse. And on that summer day, my abuser had died. While I was set free from that nightmare, another type of bondage began. Doubt, fear, depression, low self-esteem, lack of self-worth, and self-loathing. I hated myself for being abused. I loathed myself for being helpless And I feared the future and what might happen. I was depressed and obsessed with death. At the age of 11, I started drinking. At 12, I started cutting myself. And at 13, I was using drugs, alcohol, and seeking the attention from the opposite sex, all to feel something, anything. My behavior continued through my teen and early adult years. And only by the grace of God did I survive some of the precarious positions I found myself in. I navigated through high school and college, and at the age of 21, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I failed miserably. As Paul wrote in Romans 7:18, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I couldn't carry it out. My compulsive behaviors were causing pain for me and others, and I left a lot of wreckage behind. When I was 28, I had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and I immediately changed my behavior, but I wouldn't submit my heart to God. I was so angry inside, so deeply hurt, and so determined to see justice that over decades I wasted many hours daydreaming of how my deceased abuser would be outed and punished. One day a friend invited me to celebrate recovery. She thought I might find help for my um, habits, hurts, and hang-ups in the meetings, and I was wary after years of counseling, but I went anyway. What I discovered at CR was a very place safe a very safe place to share. I learned that the abuse was not my doing and I had no part in it. I learned that the only only in the present can positive changes occur. We cannot change the past. Second Peter 2.19 tells us people are slaves to what masters them. And I was a slave to the past, wishful thinking and justice seeking. Step three of the 12 steps is I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God. Paul wrote in Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I couldn't offer my body to God if my heart was hardened and my mind was not in the present to appreciate God's goodness and abundance. The road to recovery based on the Beatitudes states, 
I consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. I was good with the care, but not with the control because I wanted to dole out the justice instead of trusting God. I have learned through working the 12-step program that I don't have to settle a score. God is a God of justice. I don't know how long it'll take, but God has promised he'll make the wrongs right. He'll restore what the enemy has stole. It doesn't matter how badly someone has hurt me. It doesn't matter how wrong they were. If I let, let it go, God will settle my accounts. I personally invite anyone here that is hurting, has a hang-up, to please join us on um, Tuesday night. It's confidential, and you'll find a lot of great help, a lot of great people, and um, a lot of great help. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Phil. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm recovering from alcoholism. And as I'm learning, uh, as my friend Michael say, says, uh, all those age Z things yet in my life. <clears throat> About 28 years ago, well, the good news is I'm not going to give my testimony after following these people. They're, they're wonderful witnesses. The bad news is I'm going to pump up, celebrate, recover a little more, and it's only going to take me about a half an hour. You can swallow, Brian. I'm not going to do that. Okay, about 28 years ago, John Baker went to his longtime friend and pastor, Rick Warren, and said, Rick, I think our church needs to start a recovery ministry. To which Rick promptly said, you're right, John, so start one. Thus, Celebrate Recovery started and has since grown to to be a part of ministry in over 27,000 churches. About a year and a half ago, Peg Kamar and myself thought this church needed some recovery uh, program. So Peg and I went to Brian and said, Brian, we think the church needs a recovery program. Brian says, okay, start one. <laughs> and since, uh, since that time, uh, our, church is no, or our church and our group is now celebrating one year of uh, ministry and celebrate recovery. And a very key part to that is, is pastoral support. And I think from the last two ser- sermons, uh, we've seen how our pastor supports us. And both he and Ben have been a uh, big help in, in uh, keeping this thing going, getting this thing going. And we appreciate the support of the church. Now, like uh, all good leaders, and I'm going to use a little analogy here of like a coach. You know, take Urban Meyer, for instance. He's a great coach, but I think even he would say that he's only as good as the people he surrounds himself with, his assistants and his, his helpers. And that's the same way I feel about Celebrate Recovery. I have a great group of people who are uh, my leaders, and uh, I can't do this myself. That's the point. We have leadership for women. We have leadership for men. And we have an awesome praise and worship band. Uh, we have fun. We're not a glum lot, so come share. I just wanted to uh, uh, tell you a couple quotes that I found very interesting and that I've learned, picked up along the way. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups come in all shapes and sizes. I don't know what yours is, but I bet you have one or maybe another one or two. 
Jeremiah 6.14 from the NLB says, how can I heal a wound? How can you heal a wound if you say it's not there? Allow me to share a quote from an anonymous author. It was given in a testimony we heard a few weeks ago. It sums up to me what addiction can be. A shot to kill the pain, a pill to drain the shame, a purge to end the gain, a cut to break of the vein, a smoke to ease the crave, a drink to win the game. An addiction is an addiction. It all hurts the same. Stepping out of denial and seeking help is the biggest step anybody can take. As I said, my room, my job, I feel, a Celebrate Recovery Leader at Vineyard Patasla is to keep our meeting room, rooms open and a safe place for you to come and share when you're ready to come. And in whatever is keeping you from being all that you can be from Jesus, as Jesus would have you to be. Come let us share with you. Come let us care with you. Pray with you. Heal with you. Thanks to all those who've, who've been a part of this, this journey. And hopefully will be a long-stay journey and long-term um, group here in Vineyard Potaspa. Amen. Well, thanks to each of you uh, for sharing your testimony. Uh, We're so thankful for the work that God has done in each of your lives, including through the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And again, we thank you for sharing that with us today. Why don't you guys stand?